appropriate for us as a message. Um, and the only song I can really kind of think of. Hey everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked. I'm Carissa. How's everybody doing? I've missed you guys. <laughs> it's only been a week, but I've missed you guys, and I hope everyone had a lovely week. Um, as this is, well, I'm recording this on a Monday, but I drop it on a Friday, so I hope you guys definitely had a very nice work week and are surviving Mercury retrograde, but she is, well, she, well, he is coming to an end. Yes, Mercury, she, huh, is coming to an end. So um, we're almost there, guys. Just hold on a little bit longer. Apart from just experiencing some fatigue, a bit of technical issues here and there with especially last week's episode, um, I almost lost it. I don't know how I managed to, like, find it again. I don't know what happened, but I was about to cry at a certain point. Um from like the fear of losing last week's episode. Um, I'm not going to even go into the semantics of it. But I hope everybody else is surviving and getting through it. We're almost there. Just hold on. Speaking of last week's episode, I hope you guys um, enjoyed uh, listening and learning about Snapchat dysmorphia and body dysmorphic disorder and how social media may affect it. Actually, speaking of... uh, Going back to talking about uh, the whole Mercury retrograde... Instagram last week on the Beauty Unlocked page that I have was just not working out and Instagram was just not have I was not having it with Instagram Instagram was not having it apparently I was breaking community rules I don't know how that happened seriously but finally managed to post on Instagram after bitching and complaining and almost throwing my phone across the room uh, we finally managed to deal with the issue of of Instagram right there but apart from that um, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode Um, a heavy topic uh, but again like a very interesting topic and I learned a lot more than I knew about Snapchat uh, dysmorphia and uh, BDD or body dysmorphic disorder so I hope you guys um, enjoyed it too this week's episode is a bit heavy and it's um, looking at another side of beauty standards and we're not going to be really talking about western beauty standards but another beauty standard but before we get into that well into that episode no into this episode (laughs) oh my god um into this um this new episode i just want to do a little bit of house cleaning uh have a little bit of dust on this furniture and i need to get rid of it as you know i have an instagram page that i hope is now working properly and that instagram won't be getting on my nerves and you can find us on police sirens all right i just had to to stop recording there for a second until like the sirens like passed it was like too confuculating for me there's the mot de jour as we would say confuculated say it with me now <laughs> so you can find us on instagram at beauty underscore unlocked underscore podcast also we have um i don't know why i keep on saying we well me myself and i we <laughs> uh, also have a private facebook group and a facebook page and you can find us on both at beauty unlocked the podcast 
And of course, I would love, love, love to hear from you guys. Uh, we have an email account. It's uh, beautyunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your opinions. If you're enjoying the show, send send me like your stories. If you can relate to the, well, so far two topics that we've covered. But yes, like send us. I would love to hear from you guys. It's always a pleasure. Also, you can find our links on our social media pages to listen to the podcast or download it. But if not, if you would prefer to uh, go directly to the Lipson page, uh, you can find us on beautyunlockedpodcast.lipson.com. That's beautyunlockedpodcast.lipson.com. And you guys can directly either share it or download do, download it from there. I cannot speak today. Download it from there or listen to it directly from there. So in this episode, we're going to look at a very different cultural standard of beauty. And we're going to head on over to Mauritania. So before we get into the episode and what it's about. I want to talk a little bit more about Mauritania and its geographic location because if you're anything like me, although I have a pretty good idea of geographical locations of countries, um, I, I should slap my hand and say naughty me <laughs> because when I was reading up about this, about Mauritania, I was like, wait, wait where, where is it exactly? So um, shame on me for that. But uh, so we're just going to take a quick look at the geographic location and also the political issues that Mauritania has had in the past. So officially, it's known as the Islamic Republic of Mauritania, and it's located in the northwest of Africa. It's the 11th largest sovereign state of Africa, and Mauritania is bordered by the Atlantic Ocean. We have Western Sahara. Um, basically, it shares a border with Western Sahara, Algeria, Mali, and Senegal. Approximately 90% of Mauritania's land is within the Sahara, so consequently the population is mostly concentrated down in the south where precipitation is slightly higher. Okay, I'm going to butcher the capital city's um, name. So sorry, but oh, me and names, you know it from last episode. Oh, Lord. Uh, so the capital city and it's the largest city is Nouakchott, and it's located on the Atlantic coast, and it's home to around one-third of the country's 4.4, 4.5 million people. So in 1960, the Republic of Mauritania became a dependent from France, and since its independence, it suffered nine coup d'etats. So that's, that's quite a number right there. The most recent one happened about 12 years ago on, um, in 2008, and the government was overthrown by a military coup d'etat led by General Mohamed Old Abdelaziz. In April 2009, Aziz resigned from the military and he decided to run for president in the July elections and he won them. And finally, well, he was reelected for a second term in 2014, but then he decided not to seek reelection. He decided to abide by the Constitution and he he retired um, at the age of well in his 60s about 62 years old so that was that was quite a shocker because a lot of people expected him to actually run for a third term but he decided to abide by the, by the constitution so that's a bit of background information regarding uh well the geographic location of mauritania as well as a bit of of uh, her political history today's topic regards mauritania and how young girls are brutally force-fed 
um, in order to prepare them for for marriage. Now, I would like to uh, give a little bit of a trigger warning because we do deal with child abuse, uh, torture, basically a violation of, of human rights that's happening in Mauritania. And um, so just a little bit of a trigger warning that this episode is a bit heavier um, than the previous two episodes and what we discussed in the previous two episodes. So you have been warned. All right, let's jump right in. So as mentioned, young girls are brutally force-fed a diet of up to 16,000 calories a day, which is more than four times that of a male bodybuilder to prepare them for marriage. Okay, I'm not too sure how to say this word. Le, le bleu, le bleu, it's L-E-B-L-O-U-H. So I'm going to go with le, le bleu. Uh, so le bleu is the practice of force-feeding girls from as young as five to the age of 19 in countries where obesity was traditionally regarded as desirable. So this is prevalent in more rural areas. And the practice is being done in several African countries, Mauritania being one, then Uganda, Morocco, Sudan, Tunisia, Nigeria, Kenya, and South Africa. So the synonym that's given to Leblouet is gavage, and this comes from the French term that was used or that is used when you're force-feeding geese to produce foie gras. So what's surprising about, well, there's a lot of things that are just surprising and mind-boggling about this episode and this heavy topic. But the thing is that when I was researching, I couldn't find so many recent uh, articles. Actually, the majority of the articles I found were between 10 and almost 20 years old. Some of the articles have been updated, but the most recent one is uh, from 2010. So, as we can see, the ideal of feminine beauty in Mauritania um, holds that among women, layers of, of fat are the height of sexiness. I'm going, to, I'm going to say something after this, but the preference basically originated centuries ago among the Moors, it, and the Moors are nomadic Muslims uh, of Arabic and Berber descent, and they make up two-thirds of Mauritania. So the, to the ancient Moors, an overweight wife, much like fat livestock, was a symbol of a man's wealth, proof that he had enough riches to feed her generously, while others and other people would perish in the drought-prone uh, region. Now, I'm, I'm all about body, body positivity. I'm not into body shaming or anything. What I have an issue with, and I, I'm starting already in the beginning of this episode, what I have an issue with I don't have an issue with people's body body types. I really don't. What I have a, an issue with is when you take a person's free will out of the equation and you force them, force them to eat up to 16,000 calories a day. 16,000 calories a day. This is where I have an issue is when a person's free will is taken out of the equation. So that's my rant. That's my first rant and rave. So it appeared that force feeding was dying out, and although Leblue was never outlawed in this in, in the Islamic Republic, uh, in 2003 the government started a campaign to fight to fight child abuse and to raise awareness of the health risks related to obesity. But things kind of stalled. Like I mentioned in 2008, there was a military coup, and it removed the government, the democratic government. 
and it installed a junta that like favored a return to tradition and a return to tradition i say this in air quotes uh but i'll definitely i'll i'll talk about the campaign a bit later it's not a very subtle campaign but they 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 tried in 2000 in 2003 with this campaign so in 2001 there was a government survey of about 68,000 women and it found that one in five between the ages of 15 and 49 had been deliberately forced or force fed or overfed and nearly 70 percent of that even among the teenagers that they 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 surveyed said that they did not regret being overfed so of course other cultures they prize corpulent corpulent women but in Mauritania it goes to a very unique and as we mentioned not only in Mauritania and other also in other countries as well but they go to a unique length um, to achieve its vision of what the feminine beauty ideal is in western society we have what teenagers do or uh, you know adults as as well they do crash diets but um in mauritania their version of a crash diet is a crash feeding program and it's it's to display basically it's to get girls big enough or <laughs> obese enough to display family wealth and to, to display family's wealth so girls as young as five and as old as 19 as we previously previously mentioned they have to drink up to five gallons of fat rich camel or cow cow's milk daily five gallons so if a girl refuses to drink that amount and, and it's that's only the liquid part of what they eat there's also the solid part but if a girl refuses to eat or she vomited there's the village like weight gain specialist she might and this so sorry trigger warning she might squeeze the girl's feet in between sticks she pulls the girl's ears pinches her inner thighs bends um their fingers backwards and sometimes in extreme cases these women these uh, village weight gain specialists and again air quotes makes the girls if they do vomit to eat their own vomits and in a lot of cases girls have died from this practice so in this article um that was written over 13 years ago actually uh, they mention a top government um, official. Her name is Yenserha Mint Mohammed Mahmoud. And at the time she was 47. So now she's like 60 in her 60s now. But she says, she's quoted as saying, there isn't a woman close to my age who hasn't gone through this. Maybe not with the torture, but with the milk and other things. At the time, Ms. Mahmoud said, and she insisted that the torture has died out, but many say that it lingered especially in remote rural areas uh, and they continue to say in this article that Mauritania uh, has an alarming number of women that weigh uh, anywhere between 220 to 330 pounds and that's the equivalent to about 100 to 149 kilos and this was according to the Ministry for the Promotion of Women, Family and Children. The same survey that was conducted in 2001 estimated that two in five women were overweight. Compared to American standards at the time, so this is back in 2001, uh, the, government, the, the government survey there in America says that um, nearly three in five women were overweight. But it's, it's a remarkable number, two in five women, for a sub-Saharan uh, country. 
So according to the International Obesity Task Force, which is a London-based research and advocacy uh, group, they said that Mauritania has the region's fourth highest percentage of overweight women. Going back to that uh, campaign that was conducted in 2003, uh, it was called a slim down campaign. And the messages that they were sending were anything but subtle. Uh, and this I'm quoting directly from the article. One television and radio skit depicted a husband carting his fat wife around in a wheelbarrow. Uh, another featured house guests raiding the refrigerator because their host was too obese to get up to feed them. Doctors were also recruited to explain the health re risks related to obesity. Now they say that um, this slim down campaign wasn't successful because at the time, nearly three-fourths of Mauritanian women did not watch television and an even greater number did not listen to the radio. Uh, also, the, the government official that we, we spoke about and previously mentioned, Ms. Mahmoud, she said that it was difficult to change how the sexes view each other. She was quoted as saying, men uh, want women to be fat and so they are fat, she said. Women want their men to be skinny and so they are skinny. And the article continued saying that according to Mauritanian stereotypes, and I'm quoting, porky men are womanish and lazy. So this is this is this these this kind of vernacular does not come from from me, that's for sure. Uh, I don't use such terminology. I was actually able to find personal accounts um, of women who had undergone uh, undergone like force feeding. But I also found in one of the articles um, that they spoke to a professional force feeder. So I'm going to tell you what she, she says. In this article, they interviewed a professional force feeder who lived um, in, a re uh, well, in an area called Atar. And it's a commercial hub which is about 250 miles away from the capital city of Nouakchott. And she was, uh, well, in, in this article, they were saying that the proportion of girls undergo undergoing force feeding has climbed up to over 80%. Now, the government figures from before the 2008 coup put the rate at 50 to 60% in rural areas and 20 to 30% in the cities. They were saying that this practice is reemerging because men still find mounds of female flesh comforting and erotic. And this was explained by Saeed Ul Saeed. Uh, he's a Mauritanian male journalist. He said that the attraction is ingrained from birth. So basically, they, they tell them this from the time they're born. So the professional force feeder, her name is El, El Hassan. And she makes about $155 for each girl she force feeds over a period of three months. And she's delighted. So what she does um, when she force feeds them, the food that she gives them is um, crushed dates and peanuts with couscous and oil. Uh, and this makes up the second of the girls uh, for four meals that they have. So she also makes egg sized balls of around. Uh, she also makes like uh, egg sized balls of around 300 calories a piece. So each girl eats about 40, 40 of those egg sized balls per day. This goes along with 12 pints of goat's milk and gruel. And it makes their daily calorie intake between 14 to 16,000 calories. So 
Basically, we're saying that a recommended consumption for a healthy 12-year-old girl is about 1,500 calories. And an adult male bodybuilder, he eats up to like 4,000 calories. So imagine that these poor girls are fed, force-fed, not even fed, force-fed four times a day. Al Hassin, she prepares egg-sized balls, which are equivalent to 300 calories, and the girls have to eat 40 of those per day. And their calorie intake is between 14 to 16,000. They eat more than a bodybuilder. More than a bodybuilder, you guys. So the, 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 the writer of the article asks, how do these small girls eat so much food? And Al-Hassan, the professional um, force feeder, she says, I'm very strict. I beat the girls or torture them by squeezing a stick between their toes. I isolate them and tell them that thin women are inferior. The article continues to say that places like desert settlements like this with no electricity or running water are popular spots for Leblue because there are no distractions and no easy ways to escape. Now, Ed Hassan, like we said, the professional force feeder, she denies that her work amounts to child cruelty. I beg to differ, and I believe all of you do too. She says, no, no, it's for their own good. How will these poor girls find a husband if they're bony and revolting? I, um, <clears throat> I'm, uh, ooh, mm-mm. I don't need, I, you see, I, I am speechless. I want to rant and rave, but I'm actually, actually speechless at this point. Uh, the thing is that this professional force feeder, obviously it's been ingrained. It's like the journalist said before, it's ingrained from birth so basically it's ingrained and instilled in her that what she's doing is not wrong she's helping these girls this is what she believes because i mean she she wasn't taught any other way she wasn't nobody taught this professional force feeder um that you know obesity and the health she doesn't she doesn't see the health risks involved because she wasn't taught about the health risks she was only taught that apparently thin women are inferior and how will a poor girl find a husband if she's bony and revolting this this is her again this is this is the way she i mean i ooh the term i can't sorry i'm just i'm kind of in a bit of a shock i think when i read I think when I read these articles, you know, when you read in your mind, obviously, you're not reading out loud like things. So, I mean, I was shocked when I was reading them in my mind. Um, but when I'm actually saying it out loud, you know, for the podcast, for the show, it it just it sounds even it sounds so bad. And it is bad because it, oh, you're taking the free will of these poor little girls you know, these four or five-year-old little girls, you're taking away their free will and you're force-feeding them because it's instilled and ingrained into your culture that if you're thin, if you're skinny, you know, it means that you're unattractive and apparently from this force-feeder, you're inferior. And, I, you know, it, it's the, it's this it's terminology is, is for me is just, um, it's harsh to say the least. And I just, I, I, as you can see, I'm speechless. I don't even, I'm a blubbering mess. Do you know, I, oh no, I can't. <laughs> I just can't. So I'm just going to stick to, for the moment, continuing with the information I found in, in these articles. So there's a anti-force feeding uh, activist, is uh, Amintu. 
they were saying that basically pharmaceuticals are the new form of Leblue. So they're sold secretly at city markets and they include hormones used to fatten camels and chickens. Um, they also sell steroids for asthma and cancer that causes bloating. So a neighbor of Amin Tuz, this person, said that um, a neighbor of hers died in May after taking animal hormones while pregnant. She hoped it would give her a fat baby. The activist is, 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 is sighing as she's saying this. So this, this lady, this, uh, I'm into his like neighbor, this lady, she died in May after taking animal hormones while pregnant because she wanted those hormones to give her a fat baby. So the authorities want women to return to their traditional roles, as we said, once that junta was installed, well, installed, <laughs> forcibly installed. Um, and they want a return to traditional roles. So basically that's cooking, staying indoors, and staying fat to keep men happy. And this is what uh, the activist is saying, to keep men happy. All right. Um, oh, my God. I, I think I need so many moments. You know, this whole episode is full of I, how many times I've stopped this episode, how many times I'm, I can't even speak properly because I just, I'm shocked. And um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't even know. I think the whole, epi a good six, seven minutes of this episode is me not knowing what to say. It's me not knowing what to say because I, 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 I don't know what to say. I, everything just, it just leaves my mind when I, when I read these things. Then in the article, another article, they quoted a Dr. Mohammed Old Madin, and he's an emergency medicine specialist um, in Nouakchott, uh, yes, the capital. And he says that fat uh, ideal is a grave matter of public health. He's alarmed by the number of patients he sees with diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, heart disease and depression. He mentions the recent case of a girl who was rushed to the clinic unconscious. She was only 14, but so huge that her heart had almost collapsed under the strain. Um, this, this girl is 14. Uh, okay, I'm going to continue. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything until towards the end. So I found more personal accounts of the girls who have undergone force feeding. Some of these things, again, it's, uh, they're heartbreaking. They're heartbreaking to read, but uh, I'm going to try my best. I'm trying my best. So the first account that I found was one of May Mint, and she didn't want her name, her full name and last name to be in the article. So she goes by May Mint. And the article says, she struggles to carry her weight up the flight of stairs, her thighs shaking with each step. It will take several minutes for the 50-year-old to catch her breath, air hissing painfully in and out of her chest. The article then goes to say, her rippling fl flesh is not the result of careless overeating. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even like the vernacular in these articles, the way they're written. I, oh, anyway. So her rippling fl flesh is not the result of careless overeating, but rather of a tradition. Mint was four when her family began to force her to drink 14 gallons of camel's milk a day. When she vomited, she was beaten. If she refused to drink, her fingers were bent back until they touched her hand. 
Her stomach hurt so much she prayed all the animals in the world would die so that there would be no more mil milk. By the time Mint was 10, she could no longer run. Unconcerned, her proud mother delighted in measuring the loops of fat hanging under her daughter's arms. So Mint says, my mother thinks she's made me beautiful, but she's made me sick. So Mint suffers from weight-related illnesses, including diabetes and heart disease. This is, this is why I say when a person's free will is taken out of the equation. My mother thinks she made me beautiful, but she made me sick. I've taken my moment and I'm back. So sorry. Because it's mind-boggling. We go to the next personal account. And this one is, is a bit different, actually, um, in the way she, she says things. Although her story is... Well, you'll see. So her name is... Zainabu Mint Mohammed, and at the time she was 26 year old, uh, 26 years old, and she was a grocery store owner. So she was about five foot four and over 200 pounds. But she says she's a modern woman who has a love hate relationship with her size. She's quoting. She's quoted as saying, "I was force fed as a child. I vomited and suffered heartburn and diarrhea, but I gained weight fast." At 13, she was married to a much older man, and by 16, she had two sons. Then, like any normal teen, uh, she rebelled. Anyway, she rebelled, prompting her husband to divorce her. No comment. Newly single, she was flooded with romantic offers. I suddenly saw how much Mauritanian men adore very fat women. Men told me that I had the most beautiful body in town, and they fought over me. Uh, the male reaction to her figure transformed her self-image. When I realized the power I had over men, I started to enjoy being fat. Her current boyfriend, Baba Slama, who at the time, well, current boyfriend at the time, and he was 29 at the time, uh, who is like many Mauritanian men, rail thin, agrees that she's in charge. She's gorgeous, and I love her. Uh, the article continues saying that Zenabu's weight slows her down and she says, I'm always tired and I wheeze when I walk. I want to be slimmer so I can be more dynamic. She's a fan of TV soap operas uh, that come from France and Morocco and she confesses that she's drawn to the lifestyles of the female stars. They seem so independent. I'd love to be able to wear jeans and high heels. I want to diet but I'm scared men won't like me anymore. She also says that she's worried that she will lose her it girl status among her female friends. And then the article interviews one of Zenabu's friends. It's quoted as saying, or she's quoted as saying, sorry, not it, but the article is quoted as saying, my first thought when I met Zenabu was, where did she get that incredible body? This comes from her best friend, Hawar Sese, who at the time was 26. I was so jealous. The article says that she's hardly skeletal herself at five, five foot six and weighing at a, a 180 pounds. So she was saying that she was having trouble putting on the weight and she was teased or relentlessly teased by plumpier girls as a teenager. Recently, Howard's husband told her that he didn't like sleeping with a bag of bones. Desperate to be bigger, Howard uses drugs to aid weight gain. She produces a bottle of pills whose active ingredients is uh, cyphroheptadine hydrochloride, an allergy medication with a side effect of increased appetite. If misused, the drug can cause low blood pressure, blurred vision, kidney failure, and other problems. 
I bought this one because the pharmacist told me it was the least dangerous. Okay. <clears throat> uh, the article then says that they went to Zenabu's home and that her and Hawer were inspecting a photo of a bikini-clad model in a glossy magazine from neighboring M Morocco. The svelte woman has, to Western eyes, a perfect figure, but the two women are genuinely, genuinely repelled. She looks ill, they agree, clicking their tongues at her jutting hips and clavicles. Then they turn to an article about liposuction and laugh so hard the walls seem to shake. So I'm going to read, yes, read the accounts of two more um, that, have, that went through force feeding. This account is by a girl, her name is Tijania Mint Tajani. So she says that it sounded like summer camp. You're going on vacation to this desert to meet other girls and eat sweet food. This is what her mother told her. Tijania was excited. She said that by the time I returned home, I'd be a beautiful woman. Ten days later, Tijania, uh, uh, who at the time was 14, a sporty student from the town of Atar, is eating breakfast with five other girls ages 7 to 12 in a cramped sandstone hut deep in the Sahara Desert. Her stomach is already bloated from huge quantities of goat's milk and oily couscous, but the meal is not over. The next course is a pint of pounded millet mixed with water. Tijania chokes down the thick gruel. She has no choice. An older woman dressed in pink robes threatens to beat her with the long cane if she refuses. Worse is if she throws up, the woman will make her eat her own vomit. My stomach hurts, groans ta uh, Tijania. The, uh, she's the daughter of a livestock dealer, and she's furious with her parents for sending her here. I don't want to be fat. I don't think it's beautiful. Now I see why some girls at school came back fat after vacation, but they were much prettier before. Uh, so she says, I love sports. I'm scared I won't be able to run fast when I'm fat. Tijania wants to become a French teacher, but, and here we are with the uh, force feeder that we mentioned before, El Hassan. El Hassan says her parents have already arranged a marriage for her. Her job will be to make babies and be a soft, fleshy bed for her husband to lie on. Uh, she intends to fast track El Hassan, the force feeder. Um, she intends to fast track Tijania's weight gain by serving her cups of pure animal fat. The stomach flap should cascade, the thighs should overlap, and the, nick, uh, sorry, the neck should have thick ripples of fat. This is what El Hassin, the professional force feeder, says. The ultimate sign of beauty, however, is silvery stretch marks on the arms. Parents will give me a bonus if a girl develops stretch marks. Hmm. I hope you managed to take a deep, deep breath. A deep, deep breath with me, like I did before. This is the last account. And at the time, this lady was 55 years old, and her name was Ashtu Mintaleb. Personally, I do believe that fattening girls is more than a necessity. Slim girls bring shame to their families and even their tribes as well. It's also difficult for them to attract men, uh, men's eyes in our society. I had two daughters and I fattened them while they were 8 to 10 years old. So both of them grew enormously, have married quickly and got children before the age of 17. They are managing their families and come to see me on weekends. I am now very proud of what I did, she added. So those are just a few of the personal accounts that I found um, about 
these women that have undergone the force feeding. So we have also a study that was conducted by the Social Solidarity Association, and it's a national group set up to help what it calls the victims of Mauritanian customs. And this study was conducted in two, uh, 2007, and it said only 7% of city girls were forcibly fattened, but the number in rural areas was closer to 75%. The NGO says this is because many women still carry traditional views which are common in the rural population. Uh, Mar Jubero Cabdefero, in charge of gender programs for the UN Population Fund in Mauritania, added, They say if a woman is fat, normally it means her husband has the means to feed her. They are not poor. They have money to feed the little girls. It became the standard for beauty. The fatter you are, the more pretty you are. Okay, I don't care what your weight is, um, as long as you have free will to make that goddamn decision for yourself. That's all I have to say to that. She added, with the younger generation, it's regressing. Most of the families don't do it anymore. Before, you didn't see women walking in the streets. Before, they used to stay at home making tea, not going to work. Now they go exercise, they walk. She says the tradition is regressing amongst the younger generation as they see the consequences. The older women now, they're very fat in their 40s and 50s. They cannot even move. They have hypertension, diabetes, and so on. And it continues to say that little girls that are being force-fed, the practice is getting more and more dangerous as opposed to actually feeding them food before. Now it's feeding them chemicals used to fatten animals. This, this, this is what this uh, article was talking about. It goes on to say that it's very difficult to eradicate the culture of force-feeding in Mauritania. It's something deeply rooted in the minds and hearts of Mauritanian mothers particularly in the remote areas where the uneducated villagers still strongly believe blindly in the tradition. All right, so we came or are coming to an end of this very, very heavy episode. Very heavy episode in the sense of obviously the, 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 the topic um, and the testimonials from, from um, these women that have gone through this tradition of force feeding. Now, as I said, a lot of the articles are not um, recent articles, and I'm not too sure what is being done now um, as opposed to 13 years ago or even 10 years ago. So I would actually have to do a, try to dig a, a little bit deeper to see if there are any more recent statistics. As we know, statistical data is my thing. Um, and, and find out if there has been a change in the way, or even if in the government actually, if there is a change to tackle this issue of clear child abuse um, and a violation of human rights. It's, it's downright a violation of human rights. You are taking away um, a person's free will. And I know that of course we live in a society based on you know Western ideals of beauty and what we go through, but again, it's, not to say that it's our choice because again it's the thing of um we're for we're force fed in a different way um what the media is is force feeding us on what uh, the western beauty ideal is and it, it it affects of course um it affects us psychologically in many ways but we do have access to information and sometimes of course we when it comes to western beauty ideals you know obviously there's no such thing as perfection not at all and in all honesty as long as you're accepting of yourself this is what counts now we cannot judge people like i said about their appearance we cannot judge people who are um on the scale of being thin 
and being overweight because again we don't know their stories we don't know their lives we don't know if they're on any kind of medication if they have a medical history we we, we can't judge a person because of their morphology and so on and so forth so again we have to a certain extent um free will and in mauritania and in other countries where force feeding um is an issue unfortunately especially in rural areas they don't have access to the knowledge that we do when it comes to the health ri- the health risks involved in force feeding and force feeding children uh, children basically and also the health related issues um, that come with uh, not only obesity but childhood obesity such was the case with the doctor who who talked about the 14 year old who came um, unconscious to um, the medical facility. I know this episode is much, much longer than the previous two that I've done because there are so many pauses. And um, a lot of the pauses I'm obviously going to keep, not for dramatic flair, because I think this is a very, very concerning side of the cultural beauty standards, um, in this case in Mauritania. And I know I'm not the only one who has or will have or had a visceral reaction to what I read and also by me vocalizing it I think it 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 um it kind of uh as always I say put things into perspective not really but it uh, it, it was more shocking especially when it's it's vocalized um as opposed to reading it while you're, you're doing research and everything so so yes I will be keeping a lot of the pauses in I know this episode was extremely long and extremely heavy topic but I do hope that you guys enjoy uh, enjoyed it. Um, let me know and send me um, an email or join the Facebook page or Facebook group. Let me know what you think about this episode. Uh, obviously, I I don't know what I mean. I I could go on and on, obviously, about this. You know, the the shocking reality of what we do and what society does and different different cultures do in the name of beauty is horrifying sometimes. And the consequences are horrifying. To close this off, apart from me saying send me emails and join face group pages and groups and Instagram pages and all that that I've already told you um, in the beginning, I would like to close off by saying love yourself. There, I... There is no other way for me to say this but love yourselves. I understand that the outside world can be very, very cruel, but just love yourselves. Be honest with yourselves. Seek help if you believe that you need help. You know, reach out. There are people that are willing to help you. But the number one thing is take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Love yourselves. People say you only have one life to live. That's not true. I don't believe that. I believe that the soul is eternal. And yes, this physical body, or as some people call it, a meat sack, is only temporary. And it's only the physical. So just love who you are as a human being. Treat yourself kind with kindness it doesn't matter what people say because it's just an opinion that was unsolicited, like I say, said in my previous episodes. The only opinion that matters is the one that you, you, you have of yourself. So love each other, love yourselves. I hope that all of you have a beautiful and safe weekend and I'll be waiting for you on next week's episode. Bye. Wow.